And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, November the 23rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1765, Frederick County, Maryland, they became the first colonial American entity to repudiate the British Stamp Act. Today in 1889, the first jukebox made its debut in San Francisco. It was at the Palace Royale Saloon. The coin-operated device consisted of four listening tubes attached to an Edison phonograph. And no, I don't remember seeing that. Today in 1936, Life, the photojournalism magazine, Life magazine, it was created by Henry Luce. They put out their first edition today in 1936. Today in 2004, Dan Rather, he announced that he would step down as principal anchorman of the CBS Evening News in March of 2005. There were several reasons why he stepped down, but one of them was he had really taken on George W. Bush. For some reason, he really didn't like him, kind of like people don't like Trump now. And Bush didn't normally rile people up all that much, as I recall his years in office, but Somehow he really got under Dan Rather's skin, and Dan Rather had been reporting some stuff. As the CBS main news guy, he'd been reporting some stuff that turned out to not be true about George W. Bush. George W. Bush did not fight on the front lines in a war, uh, as I recall, and I'm just recalling this back 16, 18 years ago, but um, he, his, uh, Dan Rather was questioning uh, George W.'s um, service, military service, and he was casting him as a rich kid, which he was, and he was casting him as a rich kid who didn't have to do anything and on and on and on, and and rather just couldn't let that go. I mean, he really went on and on and on about it. Well, as it turned out, uh, George W. Bush had served uh, in military. I think it was a, uh, I, I can't remember which branch it was now, but anyway, he had served, and uh, he'd been in the reserves and one thing or another. And so Rather was pretty embarrassed, and so was CBS in front of the nation when this came out. And so that was part of why Dan Rather took a, uh, he retired a little sooner than he had planned to. That happened, it started today in 2004. If everybody (laughs) that's misreporting and misinforming the public in the press today were let go or retired, uh, there wouldn't be any news. Maybe that would be a good thing. That would be like utopia. The news would all go away on the secular media, the print and the broadcasting. One year ago today, the holiday shopping season kicked off with some major retailers. They made a decision, several of them did, to open on Thanksgiving afternoon or evening, Thanksgiving evening, because they thought it would lift their sales. As it turned out, they didn't lift their sales at all didn't help at all. So I don't know if any are doing that this year or not. Perhaps they learned from last year. Sadly, there was a mass shooting at Walmart in Chesapeake, uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, last night. Left six people dead, was carried out by one of the store's employees who took his own life by turning the gun on himself, according to the Chesapeake Police Department this morning. Chesapeake Police Chief is saying that He told reporters this morning that the male employee used a pistol in the attack, which also left four other people hospitalized. Their conditions are not known, and uh, there's a SWAT team searching this person's uh, home, the shooter's home, 
and the police say there's no risk to the public. It had to do with he and some feelings, apparently, that he had about his uh, about his uh, work at Walmart. So the shooter that was at the uh, was accused is accused of gunning down five people at a Colorado uh, Springs LGBTQ nightclub last Saturday night. There's some news on that, and I wanted to just share that with you a little bit. Because uh, the uh, because the the guy that was doing the shooting, um, he, he they have been casting him in the news, and you may have heard this. They've been casting him in the news as a person who was uh, violent or very opposed and and kind of a right winger toward the LGBTQ community. Well, again, as it turns out, that's not true. Uh, they're now reporting that he is uh, one of them, apparently. He identifies himself as a non-binary, and he uses they and them pronouns. Um, the attorney said uh, last night or yesterday afternoon, and the New York Times reported it last night. This Anderson Lee Aldridge, he's 22, and they say that he's he's not, not a right-winger. He's not a, a Trump follower. He's not any of the things that they have been trying to label him with right from the get-go, immediately. When he did this, it was a horrific shooting. and I, I mean, it's just horrible. But they, immediately, they begin casting the, the thoughts in the public, the press. And I watched this, and I, didn't, I don't know who Anderson Lee Aldridge is before he was in the news. And I was just listening to it. But now, all of a sudden, none of that is true. He isn't that at all. He's part of the LGBTQ community, and he's got his pronouns, and he's non-binary, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's interesting. We just have to be so careful. In fact, the court has said now that they're going to be, in the formal filings, they will be addressing him as, I don't MX, Aldridge, like Mr. with an X. I guess that means... There's no R in his gender or something. No, I mean, whoever thought we would get to this point? It's amazing. And as we, on this day before Thanksgiving, we have so much to be thankful for, but as we look at our world today, there's so many things that can be distracting. And we ask ourselves, how difficult is it to be thankful in these kinds of circumstances? Oregon Governor Kate Brown announced this week, Monday, she's pardoning an estimated 45,000 people convicted of possession of marijuana. She's following President Biden's lead, who did the same thing under federal law. Kate Brown, the governor, said no one deserves to be forever saddled with the impacts of a conviction for simple possession of marijuana, a crime that is no longer on the books in Oregon. Biden has been calling on governors to issue these pardons, so she's marching in lockstep with the president. And um, her pardon applies to those convicted under federal law and thousands convicted nationally. That are in Oregon. So, it, it interesting times. Sometimes... I hear people say, and I, I do hear it from time to time, and maybe too often, but I hear people say, 
you know, I, I'm thankful to God, but boy, you look around and there's not a lot to be thankful for right now in our culture. I want to talk a little bit more about that. And that's a negative concept coming into Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. But there is a positive side to that. But I was thinking, I, I saw this little quote. I want to share it with you. Matthew Henry, you probably know who he is. He's a famous Bible expositor. He lived a long time ago. But uh, a lot of people, especially before the Internet, people had, a lot of people, had, I have one. Uh, in fact, I have a couple of them, of his uh, commentaries. I have a big, thick Matthew Henry's commentaries. I've had it since I first went into the ministry when I was in my early 20s, a couple of years ago or so. And um, I've always referred to him over the years, and many do, many pastors still do, and they compare his uh, exposition on the Bible to others and so on. Well, anyway, Matthew Henry, he uh, he was uh, beat up by some, some uh, thieves one night. It actually happened, and they accosted him, and they robbed him of his, of his wallet, his pocketbook. So after the, this robbery took place, Matthew Henry wrote these lines in his diary. Uh, he said, quote, Matthew Henry, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. Then he wrote this at the bottom. There's always something to thank God for. There is. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. I added the emphasis, as you know. Thanksgiving time is a time to reflect. It's a time, and we are in that, will be tomorrow, celebrating. It's a time to reflect on the goodness and the blessings of our lives, regardless of the circumstances around us. Calvin Coolidge said in 1925, he said, As we have grown and prospered in material things, so also should we progress in moral and spiritual things. We are a God-fearing people who should set themselves set ourselves against evil and strive for righteousness and living and observing the golden rule we should from our abundance help and serve those less fortunately placed. We should bow in gratitude to God for his many favors. I would say that, and I particularly picked up on this quote, the fact that he emphasizes that we should also make progress in moral and spiritual things. Our country has not made progress in moral and spiritual things. We are in free fall, and it's because of our leadership who also are lost. They are blind, and they are trying to lead, and the people they are leading, in many cases, are uninformed and would be blind in Jesus' analogy. So we find ourselves at a time in America where we are desperately in need of a spiritual awakening, and yet in the darkness and the perverseness of our age, there is so much to be thankful for. Like Matthew Henry said, at least they didn't get much money because I didn't have very much. That's kind of 
where we are sometimes in our own lives. I mean, it may not be a, a thief who takes our wallet, but they might take our credit card and we have a low limit on it. So that would be a good thing, I guess. But really, as we look around at our, our world and we look at what's going on in our world, it's pretty easy to slip into kind of a, I don't know, kind of an attitude of, wow, you know, are we ever going to get through this? And where is this going to lead? Well, in the bigger picture, we kind of know where it's going to lead. The Bible is pretty clear about what plays out in God's plan, and God's plan won't be changed. God is in control. But I was reading the other day, just looking, doing research for this program, and I came across just a couple of days ago, I came across some things that this John Nance Nance wrote. He's a a writer. He's a journalist. He's a, a Christian guy. And he he started out, and I started to look at what he was writing, and I thought, man, I don't want to read this. It's it's so negative and and so on. But fortunately, I read on, and I saw what he was getting to. I want to share a part of what he was saying because I, I think it makes the point that we need to hear and want to hear, and I want to make the point today. I think it helps make that point, and part of what I'm going to share with you is from him, and I'm just crediting him as I always do when I quote people, and part of it is my own um, thought as well. So I won't interrupt the flow of what I'm talking about to say this is John, this is me, and so on, but I'm just saying part of what I'm saying, I'm quoting John Nance in his uh, his, uh, article earlier this week. But his article started out with this. He said, what a bad year. By every conceivable economic measure, the Biden administration has made you poorer. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down approximately 10% this year alone. That means your 401k contains a lot less of your hard-earned money. Couple that with inflation hovering at about 13% in your pocketbook. Looks like a wool sweater in a cage full of moths. But not to worry, the Biden administration is moving forward, launching a digital dollar, which will give them absolute control over your bank account. I thought, man, do I want to read this? And I continued. Then he said this. He said the FTX, that's that uh, cryptocurrency thing. He said the FTX debacle enabled by sleazy politicians like Maxine Waters is a crisis that Democrats certainly don't waste. They'll tighten the financial noose around your neck and leave you gasping for the good old days when you could buy, save, and invest without the burning eye of Sauron blazing over your shoulder. Culture rot has advanced at a breathtaking pace under the careful, purposeful stewardship of Pelosi's corrupt and moral bankrupt Congress. The executive and legislative branches are possessed by the spirit of Pazuzu, who has in demonic rapture unleashed a legion of wokesters on our public school system. Disappointed with the retreat forced on the armies of infanticide, Democrat activists have redoubled their efforts and unleashed a of a sexual, uh, sexually confused transsexual perverts who flagrantly expose their male genitalia to children in bathrooms, locker rooms, and specifically sectioned grooming events where children are encouraged to twerk with sexually inflamed adults masquerading as debased, exaggerated caricatures of femininity. The Department of Justice has been weaponized by a slouching lick spittle with a gray, almost translucent pallor. If Gollum ever needed a stand-in, Merrick Garland could fill the role without spending a moment in the makeup chair. Our federal government is a rotten corpse, um, rotten corpse composed of the fleckless and cognitive impaired 
we are being governed by the worst of us. We languish and struggle to meet the rising costs of bread, butter, and beans, while illegal immigrants stream across the non-existent southern border, further taxing our already strained national resources. We've witnessed the incursion of at least 2 million illegal immigrants this year alone. Our allies only needed 130,000 troops on D-Day. He said housing costs soar and local communities are displaced as waves of disaffected city dwellers seek the liberty they've blithely trammeled in suffocating decayed Democrat strongholds, and each election cycle sees the confidence of the American people eroded by Democrat champion mail-in ballots and unexplained irregularities that always seem to favor Democrat candidates. The complete debacle in Arizona is emblematic. Abroad, he said, our adversaries advance while our military-industrial complex profits billions, swells on the misery of humanity. Little suckling piglets, Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell, fill war chests, ensuring their dynastic aspirations. Cheerful beneficiaries of the deep state. By the time I had read that far into this article, I was beginning to think, you know, I, I'm not sure I want any more of this, but but he noted, and now I want to talk, give you some of my thoughts, but he noted, 1864 wasn't a great year either. And of course, you know what that was. 1864 was during the Civil War. The Civil War had raged for three years. By 1864, hundreds of thousands had died. The war didn't end. I mean, it wouldn't end until April the 9th, 1865. So in October of 1864, there seemed to be little for much to be thankful. However, Abraham Lincoln was not a cowering bureaucrat like some of the people in office today that Nance is talking about. Abraham Lincoln was a real man. He really stood for what he believed. In the end, it cost him his life, but he lived his life in obedience to God, I believe, and certainly focused on the purpose of his life. He seemed to know that this was his time to do something very important for the nation and for the kingdom of God. He certainly wasn't geriatric, propped up on a stage to humiliate himself and his country as his brain cells kind of blinked off one by one. Lincoln Lincoln was a great man. His proclamation, 118, it was signed on October 20th, 1864. It established a National Day of Thanksgiving. But not just that. There's more. Not a day where we as citizens gather to be thankful for another year of Apple products or the newest iPhone or whatever, Lincoln declared a national day of thanksgiving and praise to Almighty God, the beneficious creator and ruler of the universe. Our national great greatness is, is connected in a way that it almost cannot be unconnected at the deepest roots to our recognition of God's purpose and God's providence. We rise or fall in direct relation to our measure of greatness to be active and engaged with God. And that has been, and I know that's foreign language to our culture today. Just some of the things I've shared this morning would lead us to know that 
Guys like me are marginalized and marginal. I mean, who cares about politics? Christians shouldn't be involved in politics and on and on. But we live in a country that really was founded on biblical principles, that really was founded on our knees in prayer. Our Constitution was created by people praying because they couldn't agree with one another. The guys that wrote the Constitution fought day and night in, the, in those meetings. They even they wrote about it. It's not like a secret to be uncovered. They just didn't get along and they didn't agree. And yet they were colleagues. And they had a common goal and a common purpose to build a country, to create a country, to set a country in motion that we know as the United States of America. And it was only when the least religious man in the group, Benjamin Franklin, said, guys, guys, we, we, we're not go- get making this, we're not making progress, as they would say today. We're not getting there. And we're going to have to just call on a time of prayer. This wasn't the, the religious guy. I mean, he was the least religious. And yet he saw the need for prayer. He saw the need for God's intervention. And as we went through it, I've talked about that a number of times on this program. As they went through the process, they even argued about who to bring in for prayer. And they said, well, we don't have enough money to hire a pastor to pray. (laughs) They even went through that, arguing among themselves. And yet, in the end, they found themselves on their knees in prayer. And a number, a number of entries in in various people's journals that were in the meeting and were close to the people in the meeting said it was not a prayer like, Good morning, God. May you bless this day. Amen. Thank you. They were on their knees praying for a period of time every day as they convened. That's how this nation was birthed. At the heart of all of our problems, both national and personal, it's arrogance. Lincoln called on his fellow citizens to, quote, humble themselves in the dust and from thence offer up penitent and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a return to the inestimable blessings of peace and union and harmony throughout the land which has pleased him to assign us a dwelling place for ourselves and for our posterity throughout all generations. Just like Satan We think we can ascend to the throne of God and become gods ourselves. And that's what we face here in America today. Leadership. We have leadership who, on the one hand, claim to be devout Christians or devout Catholics, and yet they are at the same time daily with the most powerful office on this planet, the Presidency of the United States and other related offices, They are daily undermining the very God and the very truth of God's word that launched this nation to become the greatest, the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. Happiness can't be a goal. They just just keep pushing and, and trying to get to a point where they can find this sweet spot. And it's about enriching themselves so often. And I don't mean to be critical, but I do mean to be straight talk. That's where we are today. So we find ourselves in this mix of confusion and chaos. 
And we're asking ourselves on this Thanksgiving Day, how do I pray at the Thanksgiving table tomorrow? What do I say? Happiness is not a goal. It's a byproduct of obedience. Dr. Jordan Peterson has talked a lot about that. He gives kind of motivational speeches and one thing or another. He's talked a lot about that. He said, if you find happiness in engaging in, with and discharging personal responsibility, he said, place yourself in correction or orientation to the divine creator. That's the key to happiness and success. In other words, get right with God. He puts that into his secular motivational speeches. It's true. Nationally, it's arrogance on par with satanic inclinations to describe the liberal Democrat doctrines of statism and utopianism and all of this kind of thing. This kind of arrogance leads, always leads to tyranny. Are we more or less economically free today? Or is it better than two years ago? No, of course it isn't. Lincoln knew all of this stuff. He knew it well. But he said government is a necessary evil, and the bigger it gets, the more evil it becomes. But just look at our secularist government classrooms, the deniers, the perversion, the consuming of the, uh, of the innocence of our children to stake this bottomless lust of adults and so on. So we find ourselves in all of this today, and we find ourselves at a point where we want to bow our heads. Lincoln... Lincoln faced the same kinds of emotions in his day, and yet it was Lincoln himself who bent a knee and got down before Almighty God, and he said, God, I am so thankful. And time and time again, he prayed and spoke publicly of his thankfulness to God. In 1863, he said, They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. Great is thy faithfulness. Even Richard Nixon, he had some mix-ups in his life, for sure. He said, From Moses at the Red Sea to Jesus, preparing to feed the multitudes, the Scriptures summon us to words and deeds of gratitude, even before divine blessings are fully perceived. He said, even the blessings that are coming, we can be thankful for those. If we see such chaos in our culture that we don't know what to thank the Lord for, then thank God for the blessings of tomorrow and the next day, because God is faithful and God doesn't change. So on this Thanksgiving weekend ahead of us, long weekend, let us be thankful for the good things. Let us be thankful in the midst of, of this killing and confusion and, and people choking in, in their lust and perversion and all in America. It's all happening. And to say otherwise would be being in denial. But God is greater than this, and God is in control, and God is going to bring blessing. And we can begin to thank him even now for his blessings and his goodness tomorrow. And the next day, because great is his faithfulness. God never fails, and God is in control. Thank you so much for being with me today. We'll be here tomorrow. Have a little bit more to say about Thanksgiving Day itself. Thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow.